Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. It's kind of a perfect uh, song for our series we're in called Trapped, and that there are things in life that we are trapped by. And uh, today we're talking about the trap of identity. Thank you, David. The trap of identity. And we're going to be looking in particular at the life of Jacob and then also at Jesus' baptism. But keep that song in mind that we are who Christ says that we are. So Jacob's in his midlife, and a lot has happened in his life, and we'll talk some more about this. And he's really been on the run for much of his life, and he's coming back to meet with his brother Esau. And it's the night before he's going to meet with his brother Esau. When this verse happens in Genesis 32, we're going to put it on the screen uh, for you. It said, then he wrestles with this man, mysterious man, this divine figure. And it says, then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Now, that seems pretty easy, right? What is your name? I'm Josh, and you could say what your name is. But for Jacob, this is kind of the question of his life. And for Jacob, his name equals his identity. And it's who we are. It's how we see ourselves. It's our understanding of how we bring worth, our sense of self-worth. It's how we understand who we are and how we fit in a larger community and world. And this is what our name can mean or what our, our identity can mean. And for each of us, our identity is shaped by our childhood, our childhood experiences. It's shaped by our personality, and it's shaped by our life experiences. These kind of areas pull together where we draw a sense of who we are and our identity. Well, for Jacob, these questions about identity center around the theme, what is your name? In New Zealand, Iceland, a few other countries, I don't know if you know this, but when you have a baby, you actually have to submit the child's name to the government who has to approve that child's name and say, yes, you could name them, or no, you can't. In 2008, a New Zealand family court took custody of a nine-year-old girl named Tallulah Does the Hula from Hawaii. That was the child's name, Tallulah Does the Hula from Hawaii. The state, uh, or the government of New Zealand, takes possession of the child, and they change the name. The family court judge there wrote in his ruling, the court is profoundly concerned about the very poor judgment that his child's parents have shown in choosing this name. It makes a fool of the child and sets her up with a social disability and handicap unnecessarily. Or in essence, you named your child a crazy name, and that's going to produce bad results for the child. But other names that they have forbidden include fish and chips. They denied that name. Any royal title such as baron or princess, and even some great names like justice. Uh, 68 times they've denied the name justice uh, for a child, which to me doesn't make sense. But here in this question of Jacob, what is your name? We see at his very birth, something very important happens. And this happens in the book of Genesis chapter 25, verses 25 and 26. So the naming of Jacob. He's a twin in his mother's womb, and the first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. And after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, and so he was named Jacob. 
Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. Well, in case you don't know, Jacob's name means one who usurps authority or one who deceives. So from Jacob's very birth, all that he heard was, here is the deceiver. Here is the one who will trick you. Here is the one who will deceive you. I remember Jacqueline, my wife, telling me the story. She was in this class, and it was kind of like a learn about who you are and your strength. And they were going around the circle of women and going through what their names meant. And some were like leader, and some were beautiful and flower and all this. And they got to her, and they're like, what does your name mean? And she's like, well, it's the feminine form of Jacob. I'm a deceiver. Well, that's not really a very, like, a proud moment, right, when you discover that your name means something like this. So every time Jacob in his childhood heard, hey, one who deceives, did you go clean your tent? One who deceives, did you go feed the camel? One who deceives, did you complete your homework in recent Near Eastern history? Like, that is constantly going through his name of one who deceives. And Jacob begins to fulfill what he has heard since his childhood. I'll tell you, when I was a young child, well, first, second grade, I had two dreams in life. My first dream was I wanted to be the quarterback of Oklahoma Sooners, Boomer Sooner. I wanted to run the wishbone. And the second one was I wanted to be a meteorologist. And the best meteorologist school was Oklahoma. It was divine destiny that this was where I was going to be in life. But I remember in second grade that I, we had a class race at South Hillside Elementary School in Wichita, Kansas. So we have this race around this field that felt like it was an eternity. It was probably really small now, but then it felt like an eternity. We ran around the backstop and back there, and we're in this epic race, and I'm running as fast and as hard as I can because I'm the future quarterback of Oklahoma University, and I have to be fast. And so there's a lot of riding on this race, and so I run as fast as I can, and I finish in third place. And I distinctly remember as a second grader having this thought in my, in my mind, if I'm not good enough to win my class race, then how in the world am I going to be good enough to be the quarterback at OU? And there on that field in South Hillside Elementary in Wichita, Kansas, my dream of being OU's quarterback died. I know. It's probably a good thing. When we were in seventh grade, we moved to a school that had no football. And uh, so I wouldn't even have had a chance to fulfill it. But the label that kind of got attached to that was I'm not good enough. And what's interesting for me, that's a label from childhood that I continue to work through and bump up against this label that somehow I'm not good enough. I wonder what, if we had the label, hello, my name is, that we like to introduce What would be the label that you would write? Maybe that's something you believed about yourself in childhood or something that somebody else said to you. What is it that maybe you still carry some wounds from some lies that you've believed about who you are or your identity? You see, friends, we become trapped when we believe lies about who we are. That's what it means to be trapped in our identity. It's not necessarily a physical thing. It's this internal sense of identity that we become trapped when we believe the lies about who we are. Now, I want to show you a picture of someone in our house that is trapped in their identity. This is our dog. Her name is Dutch. She's a Great Dane. She's 115 pounds. And some of you awkwardly thought I maybe was going to show a picture of a child or Jacqueline or myself. No, it's our dog who is trapped in our identity. Our dog is the biggest dog in the neighborhood. It is, she is large. She is the queen of the neighborhood. But our dog does not believe she is a big dog. She thinks she's a small dog. In all the years we've had her, she's never once marked her territory on a walk 
One time there was a dog 80 pounds smaller than her that got loose and came running at us. And this big 115 dog was here, and she literally jumped and wrapped herself around me and just shook. And I'm like, Dutch, do you not realize you are the biggest dog in this neighborhood? But she thinks she is somehow some timid, scared dog. So for her, unfortunately for us, she does have a good bark, so that's good that that she can scare people off. But she is trapped in this belief that she is much less than who she is called to be. Well, Jacob, from his birth through through his name heard, he was a deceiver, and that is what he became. Was it his nature or nurture? Perhaps both. But regardless, he is now trapped. And we become trapped when we believe the lies about who we are. Reading on in Genesis 25, picking up in verse 27. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. So here we see that all of us have unique personalities, what I would say God-given personalities, and they're very distinct and they're very different. We are all very individual. Some of us are very extroverted. Some of us are very introverted. Some of us have very strong passions and leaders. Others like to stay back a little bit. Some of us prefer a social space and lots of friends. Other people just prefer maybe one or two close friends. We are all unique. But here between Jacob and Esau, we see the difference in their personality. Esau is said to be a man of the open country. And that kind of evokes this kind of sense of a man's man, a strong. He goes out by himself. He tames the wild. He'll come back here. And here's this really man's man. But Jacob's kind of seen as a man who likes staying at home among the tents. He doesn't quite fit this persona. He doesn't quite fit this defined role of what manhood should be for him. And here he begins to wrestle with this. It's been interesting over the past decade to have conversations with particularly students and adults, too, who just say, I don't really feel like I fit my gender's defined role. I really don't like this that I'm supposed to. I'm a girl, but I'm not really into dresses, into flowers, or I'm a guy, and I'm not really into sports. And so this kind of wrestling with this sense of who am I? Am I less than? Is my personality somehow defined or means that I'm that? And people around them have labeled them and said really hurtful words to them and tried to figure that out. Now, remember in college, I loved to cook probably much more. My kids wish I didn't love to cook as much as I do. They enjoy their mama's cooking less than, than mine. But I remember my, a father figure in my life told me this when I was in college and kind of starting to think through, well, who am I? He said, Josh, you are a man because, or you do what a man does because you're a man. And what a freeing moment for me to hear that sense of, I am who I am because this is who God made me to be and who I can be. How liberating. So Jacob's interest in his personality does not match match the stereotype of the handsome, and we should say rugged, red-headed man, right? uh, Esau was a red-headed. We claim him. We're apparently going extinct in the next hundred years, so we like to claim any figure we can. But Esau here is a man of the open country. And suddenly Jacob is now becoming trapped through his personality, doesn't measure up to Esau. But it goes much deeper than just our childhood experiences, our personality. It even can go into into our life experiences. And see, our lives can reinforce the lies that we believe about ourselves. And we can get stuck in a pattern of repeating them. This is the truth. Our life experiences 
for both good and bad, uh, can impact for both good and bad how we see ourselves. Here's a recap of what happens after the scripture that we read. Jacob connives away to give Esau's birthright. Jacob, in fact, deceives and takes Esau's blessing. Listen to these verses from chapter 27. When Esau heard his father's words that Jacob had stolen his blessing, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Jacob, the deceiver, came and deceitfully took your blessing. And for Jacob, his life becomes a pattern of deceiving others and being deceived by others. In fact, Jacob thinks he marries one girl, and then he shows up and wakes up the next morning after his wedding, and it's another girl. He's been deceived by Laban, his father-in-law. Jacob comes up with a way to get many of of Laban's flocks, and he runs away without uh, even telling Laban goodbye. He takes his grandchildren and his daughters, and he runs without even saying goodbye. And that's the scene that kind of sets it up when we come uh, to this verse at the beginning. So Jacob's now trapped in his identity, and he's trying to just figure out who am I, and why do I matter, and what am I worth? Here's some of the traps that I think for each of us we can get trapped in. The first kind of says this, that our self-worth, how we see ourselves, equals my performance plus others' opinions. So I have to be good. I have to be great. I have to do awesome. I have to get the grade. I have to excel and get that top promotion at work. My kids have to be happy. They have to look like they've got it together and behave well. It's my performance. But then it's not just that. There's other people's opinions. Do they think, does my boss think I'm doing a good job? Is my teacher noticing me? Is my coach paying attention? Are the people at work or in society, are they recognizing who I am? And we get stuck in this pattern where we just get trapped. So we can call it maybe the performance trap, as a great book, Search for Significance, calls it. Performance trap. I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. When I'm doing great and I feel like the world's going great, then, uh, man, I'm doing awesome. But let me get a bad grade on a test. Let me get a bad performance review. Let my kids struggle at school, and all of a sudden, I feel like I am absolutely tanking because I'm trapped in performance. Or maybe it's an approval addict that I must be approved by certain people to feel good about who I am. Maybe you've got a father in your past who you've never had his approval and you just feel like no matter what you do is never good enough. And we can become trapped in that. Or maybe there's a shame trap around our identity that I am who I am and I I can't change. I'm hopeless. I'm just stuck and I'm trapped. Or maybe it's in my ethnic background background. Maybe it's my race or gender, and we probably should add nationality is superior or inferior to others. We get in this trap that I'm better than you or this group of people, or that I'm less than this other group of people. And friends, as that song was so powerfully played before this, God's desire for us is to be free and to know who we are. So maybe you're saying, okay, (laughs) I know I'm trapped, but now what? Let's look at the, the, the baptism story of Jesus. Let's look at the Father's identity that he gives to Jesus in Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. 
And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on, on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love, and with you I'm well pleased. The father gives Jesus his identity by saying three things. One, you are my son. Two, I love you. And three, I am pleased with you. This is before Jesus had ever done any miracle. It's before his earthly ministry really ever began. But this marks the point of which Jesus' ministry is given. Uh, is, is starting. But here the Father gives him his identity that says, you're my son, I love you, and I'm pleased with you. The truth is, as a Christian, that our identity comes from the Father. No matter how good or how bad our past, our present, or future is, who we are comes from God. Um, there's a, a book I just read that kind of outlined this about the three things your kids need to hear from us, and it's these three things. One, you're my daughter or son. I love you, and I'm pleased with you. And so I've started this practice of saying with our kids, and I'll hold up the fingers. One, you're my son or daughter. Two, I love you. And three, you make my heart happy. John Mark, he's three. He'll go back and he'll say, one, you're my dad. Two, I love you. Three, what, what was that one again? What was that one again? But hopefully what's happening is that deep in his core sense, he's understanding this root of his identity, that this is who he is. And friends, dare we believe that in Christ, the Father is perfectly pleased with us and that our identity must be rooted in the truth of the Father. No matter what our childhood has said, no matter what our personality says, no matter whether our life experiences have been good or bad, our identity is rooted in the Father. And so maybe it's just the need to write those three things down on a piece of paper and put it in your locker at school or put it on your work at desk or maybe put it on your mirror uh, as you get up in the morning to remind yourself who you are and whose you are, that that is when we begin to experience freedom, that to transform us, that says this, no matter how good this message is, and you can decide for yourself, I'm the beloved son of God. He loves me today. And he is well pleased with me. That has the power to transform us. And so as we opened our sermon with this morning, Jacob finds himself in this wrestling match with this mysterious man, divine figure, who asks him what his name is. And this is the question that Jacob has avoided all his life. We pick it back up. It says, the man asked him, what is your name? And for the first time in his life, Jacob finally answers it truthfully. He says, Jacob, deceiver, one who usurps authority, this is who I am. He can't keep doing this. He's been trapped. He's been running. But finally, in front of God, in front of this angel figure, he says, I am Jacob. And it's at the moment of Jacob's confession that his transformation begins. For the angel says to him, the man says to him, your name will no longer be Jacob. You will no longer be usurper of authority. You will no longer be liar or deceiver. But instead, you will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and overcome 
When Jacob finally says, this is who I am, God says, no, you're not. Those labels people put on you from your birth, those experiences and difference in your personality, those life experiences, both good and bad, when you confess them to me, God transforms them and he says, you will no longer be called deceiver, but instead your future, you will be known as overcomer. This is the power that God has for each one of us, that he can transform us and he can give us a brand new name, an identity that is rooted in the father that says we are loved We are his son or daughter, and he is pleased with us. Do you join me in prayer? Father, today I thank you that no matter the deep depths of the trap of our identity, that today the power of the gospel is that you give us an identity so that you can change us and transform us, and that you can set us free. Holy Spirit, this morning through words, through songs, we have sang the good news of the Father, but I pray that now, even in this moment, you would be presently at work setting us free. In Jesus' name, amen. And so it comes to each one of us that this, in this house of prayer, the Father desires to set us free. Maybe it'd be in the quiet of this moment to reflect where you sit upon that truth. Are there some labels from your childhood that you feel like you just can't get beyond? Is there some difference where you feel like people are just better than you, like they fit the mold of who they're supposed to be? Maybe your life experiences just feel like it's up and down and just keeps proving this pattern that you just feel trapped. Today in the power and the place of this, the Spirit desires to set us free. You're welcome to make this a place of prayer up here or or where you sit. Or maybe you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, and today you publicly want to confess that to the church. Or maybe this is the place you feel like God's calling you to join as members. Regardless, let's make this a house of prayer as we stand and sing. Every single 
That's the truth of the gospel. In Christ, that's who you are. You're his beloved son. You're his beloved daughter. He loves you. And you make his heart happy today. Amen. Thank you, Josh. Great message. Really appreciate that. Something we all need to hear and be reminded of. Malcolm, come on down, if you will. This is Malcolm Redman, and he is coming, uh, joining our church uh, by Statement of Faith. And uh, we're so excited to have Malcolm with us today. And uh, if you rejoice with him and welcome him to the family, say amen. 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 That was more amens in your sermon, God. I just, I just wanted to, actually, you got, okay, you did get a couple. That's right, that's right. Good job, good job. Malcolm, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to stay down front and people are going to come by and, and say a word to you and welcome you into our church family. And we really look forward to getting to know you better and, and uh, as you become a part of us. And I'm going to return it to Josh here. Can I hear two amens? Amen. Thank you all. All right. India, will you come down? And Christina and Jeff Poole, will you come down? Uh, God's doing a really cool thing uh, through City Schoolhouse. Uh, it's kind of originating out of our church, but through the ministry of, of, of Christina Poole. And, and um, they've opened City Schoolhouse down in Portland Promise Center. This is the second year, and I believe you're up to how many? 43 students. Um, just an amazing uh, ministry. And uh, there is a table out uh, the rotunda if you want to hear more about it and more ways to get partnered with that. But we're excited to pray a prayer of commissioning over India, who's going to be a full-time teacher uh, down there, serving as a missionary, really, into Portland neighborhood. And so, so excited for the call of God on both of your lives and for the unique ways that he's using this. And would you join me in a prayer? God, today we commission India for the work of the gospel in Portland through City Schoolhouse. I pray that she would, you would equip her through your spirit and anoint her, God, that she may educate these children uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and every wise and way. Bless her and prepare the way before her and before City Schoolhouse. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go in peace. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. 
please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word. Thank you.